Flanagan Weekly. Did you see me here? Is that why you clicked the link? Is that why you popped me in your ears? Because you saw my name? Because you saw it came up? You said, I want to listen to this. I hope that's what you did. Well, I'm Nick. And this is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Have, Have a good time listening to this. I hope. Uh, as always, it's been a little minute since I was, uh, since I've been gone, and, um, thanks for coming. This is a show wherein I discuss things, sometimes, but lately not very much, with other people, and many times alone. What do I talk about? Well, at this point, I guess I talk about It's so funny. I started this podcast in 2018 to talk about kind of rebuilding myself after a draining but lovely time living in Los Angeles during the tumultuous years. Trump won. That's the only thing I really remember in the news from that period, but it it was a big deal. And um, then I came back and I was like, yeah, let's... Let's do this. Let's plot it out. We're going to spend a but roughly we're going to spend roughly a year and a half just getting ourselves together. And then by about March 2020, it's on. The career will flourish. Then March 2020 rolls around. What? Everybody's sniffling, everybody's coughing. I was working what they call a front-facing job. And now, two years later, I'm rebuilding. And yes, in case you were wondering what's so appealing, what the magnetism that you're feeling right now is, it's because I have a small dog in a dinosaur costume on my lap. You probably sense that, and that's why you don't want to stalk and murder me. You might want to stalk me, but it's just to get an eyeful of the dog. I'm telling you, voyeurs who uh, check out apartment buildings, to them, that's the Eiffel Tower. Because they get an Eiffel. I have a joke like that on my Instagram right now. You can check it out. It's a part of the Halloween jokes hashtag I'm trying to contribute to. Uh, nobody likes that I do this. Comedian Christina Martinez, uh, Catherine Martinez, Christina Catherine Martinez, Christina Catherine Martinez, just wrote stop after my last one. Well, guess what, Christina, Catherine, I ain't going to stop. And you're going to have to listen to this episode because I'm going to tell you I mentioned you and then you will. And then you'll understand I challenged you. Follow at Christina Catherine Martinez Instagram. <laughs> it's Halloween month, October, month of the dead. Sadly, it was the month my father passed away. But just barely. Um, I mean, not the pass away. That was full. But... Um, the, uh, it was like near the end of the month or something. However, 
I think because of this, I just treat October like the whole month is Halloween. Let's have fun. Uh, I've been watching Alone. That's why I'm taking care of Charlie the dog, because S.O. out of town. What I started doing this Wednesday popped in Nightmare on Elm Street. First, the original. Enjoyed myself. Enjoyed myself so much that the next night popped on Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Following night, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And last night was Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I think you know where this is going. I Watching this is fulfilling like a childhood dream. Because it wasn't until I was about 13, maybe, that I was really fully going to be okay, like allowed to have access to the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I'd probably seen one or two of them by the time I was 13 or when I was 13. But it wasn't until I was like kind of not as into horror as much. And I started getting a little bit more pretentious in my tastes. Although I'm sure I liked Freddy. Who doesn't like Freddy? All the kids he murdered. They don't like Freddy at all. All the kids he's chasing. They don't like Freddy. But in the real world, we all enjoy Freddy. Kruger. Even to the point where I saw that second nightmare movie and I was like, this is fine. No problem. No problem here. Kind of had the same feeling about Evil Dead. I was like, whatever. Cool. Yeah. Keep the fire alive. <laughs> and uh, so now I'm watching all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, which I never used to be allowed to do, and I never don't remember bothering to do earlier. I mean, maybe in my 20s I wound up catching up. But whatever the case, I'm having a great time. As you know, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, my friend Jesse Elias, who we did an episode talking about um, things of the past, and we've been recording more stuff along those lines about kind of 80s and 90s um, delightfulness. And uh, we I don't think we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street, but once I started watching it, we've been texting so much about it. He's been sending me photos of all the merch uh, that came out of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and the movies, they are so strange. They're basically just, there's the plot is very hard to follow in pretty much every, I mean, not very hard to follow, but there are points in the plot where you're just like, okay, I guess it makes sense. At what point does this happening become a national tragedy? And tons of people on in America head down to Elm Street. That in the films has yet to become an issue. Um, Elm Street... Can I say rename it? Rename it. That's step one in, in stopping Kruger. But I like those movies because they're like body horror, which is not a genre I'd thought about much. But basically the main body horror director I can think of in North America, at least, is David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg. Whom... Son, Brandon. Brandon is out there making movies. Hello, Brandon. I used to play with Brandon at the 
daycare at the Jewish Community Center in Toronto. I used to go over to David Cronenberg's house and watch the creature features. Where did I first see Beast from 20,000 Fathoms? Cronenberg residence. With Brandon, having fun. In the 80s, oh my God, this is something I'd like to talk about with Jesse, but I don't know. I feel like America had less of this. No shade. Because they have Hobby Lobby, and maybe Mastermind is a uh, international franchise, but I'm telling you, at least in Toronto, there were like several science for kids themed toy stores. Science City, there was definitely a place called Science City, and they'd have like, you know, you'd get your astronaut ice cream there, you could get you know, you'd be like, oh, dehydrated ice cream. I don't remember ever eating it. You know, you could get um, those like winch arms, you know, like a kind of was like a shovel, but it had a little pincer on it and you could do it. You get robot related stuff, probably science fair stuff, ant farms. I'd always, I'd always be out with my mom in the the little mini mall at uh, Cumberland and, and Young Street in the basement. I don't believe I'd be there with my dad because he didn't drive. And that was slightly drive distance. And we would always see. We'd see Mr. Cronenberg and good old Brandon, my buddy. Uh, just also at the science store. Now that is a tangent. Sometimes ADHD has its benefits. I think that's a cool story. You guys found out we have science stores, the Cronenberg thing. You found out the sun makes movies too. I got to name drop. Maybe you didn't even know the Cronenberg situation was Canadian, but I think you did because his movies are all filmed in Toronto and it sort of looks like Toronto in a very, he captures the city pretty well. FYI at IMO. Still recording these podcasts on QuickTime. That's why there's abrupt cuts between the beginning and the middle and end. There's no layering going on. Got some problems. Okay. Returning to body horror. But Cronenberg did all these body horror movies. Brood, you know, Shivers, uh, Scanners. I mean, you know them. The Fly, of course. Uh, he had Existence had the bone gun. But all those movies have like a highfalutin aspect to it. Not necessarily, it's not what he's, he's not necessarily pretentious. It's just where his brain goes. So they're always viewed through like an artsy lens. But Nightmare on Elm Street's got all kinds of crazy body horror stuff. And it's awesome. And plus, Robert England who plays Freddy Krueger. Okay, whatever. I, I'm not going to go here saying he's Olivier. You're not interested in me saying that, but physically, he does a wonderful job with Freddy. And look, he worked on some really good poses. He's got the pose where he's like leaning, and he's like, eh, eh. And then he's got the pose where he's kind of like standing looking ominous. And then he's kind of got this weird slink he does 
where he almost looks like a cartoon. Robert England, I salute you. I hope you got a large piece of the merchandise. A large piece of the merchandising. I don't, I don't, I hope you didn't get shipped like a, a thousand Freddy punching bags because, and then expected to sell them yourself because that would be too much work for you and you don't deserve that. You should be focusing on your next, well, maybe you've retired, but you should, you should have been focusing on your next role as Freddy. Not have to worry about selling the merchandise yourself. And now you should be retired. If you're not retired, hang it up. You've done your work. Your, your watch has ended, Mr. England. It is time to relax and go fishing, and maybe they'll remake On Golden Pond and you can be the Henry Fonda role. And Heather Vanderkamp, I don't think that's her name, Langenkamp, the person from the first movie, she'll play your daughter. And your wife will be played by... Diane Wiest on Golden Palm 2000, starring Robert England, Diane Wiest, and Heather Langerkamp. Catch it tomorrow. It's out. It's going to be out. So I'm thinking I'll get through the seven Nightmare on Elm Streets I'm planning to watch probably before the end of next week, which will leave me a good 10 to 15 days of watching stuff. I'm excited. Will I go Vincent Price? Will I go Christopher Lee? I've already watched Gremlins Sue the New Batch. I think I was talking about that last week. Can't wait. Do you have horror recommendations that are in my wheelhouse? That means probably they don't need to be new. I kind of want to go back to my 80s thing. I used to rent all these schlocky 80s horrors that were not scary at all, but always gory. Night of the Demons. Um, soror- sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama. Something like that. And on and on and on. Never. I was going to say I've never seen Wish- Wishmaster, but I, I think I did see Wishmaster. Phantasm I saw. That was yucky. What are the horrors you like? Tell me, tell me, tell me, please. We saw The Shining in the theater the other year. That was amazing. And normally I don't really watch horror movies. It's it's not like I wouldn't. I just like they're not like my first choice. Now it's like, it's October. Send me some horror, baby. I'm up for any of it. Just kiss this dog on his head. I'm a warm person, damn it. But what about Kanye West? Yay is what he chooses to be called now. Look, I know you're bored of... You can't even handle the Kanye discourse, right? Because he just forces his presence upon the world in between releases, in between whatever. You know, I was always a little... <laughs> I, I love Kanye's work. But I don't know. You know, there's, I was always a little leery. And someone pointed out a really good point 
uh, is that a lot of his his earlier work that people really respected, especially like uh, more as the morals of the songs, uh, was co-written with a rapper named Rhymefest, who I actually interviewed ages ago, and was uh, he seemed really cool. And then on top of that, then he ran for like city council in um, Chicago. So I thought that was pretty sweet. So I think, you know, we we really need to view Kanye West as like Dr. Dre at this point. Dr. Dre never written a verse in his life. Great producer never wrote a verse in his life. Kanye West, great producer, undeniably. Won't take that away from him. I don't know how many of these verses he wrote. And now, whatever's going on with the mania, whatever's going on with the spite, with the delusion, uh, with this painful mental episode, wherein, I mean, at some point, you know, a manic episode needs to bottom out and then you can take accountability. He is now isolated from his family. He may not bottom out anytime soon because he's being enabled so much. And the scumbogs, uh, Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson and, uh, you know, even Noriega did an interview with him most recently, which is the only time I've talked, uh, reason I'm talking about it is because, you know, this newest yay interview. Uh, I'll get you back up to speed if you've been like not paying attention to the Kanye West thing that much. And I'll try to be quick. Basically, Paris Fashion Week, which he still has a presence at, he comes out with, um, you know, the profiteer, boring, um, purposely dumbs her message, makes her down to the lowest common denominator in order to make bucks and get attention Candace Owens they both come out in White Lives Matter shirts okay then he goes does interviews with her I guess I don't watch it with her but then Tucker Carlson and the Tucker Carlson one he's talking oh and he posts text he starts talking about Jews he says he's going to go DEFCON 3 on Jews on Twitter. He gets this, that. He's talking about his... And then the stuff Tucker Carlson didn't air from this interview where he does talk about the Kushners and how they're only about money. He goes all over the place. It's very rambly. But the stuff they didn't air, he's like calling his... Saying his children's friends are like actors, like like fake children or something. He... It's not good. And these people are trying to embrace him as some sort of like, see, black people are going conservative. And it's like, you're using the incredibly rich, incredibly troubled. Kanye West is the uh, benchmark of just black people. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, I don't like it. That would be like if you used me as an example of uh, comedians. No, that wouldn't. You can use me as an example of comedians. I changed my mind. That was a bad analogy. 
However, if I can't improvise a good analogy, maybe you should, I'm not a comedian. I don't know. Don't answer that. But you can write me a compliment at weeklypodcast at gmail.com. W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. I guess I'm bringing all this up because um, he went on the Drink Champs podcast, I guess, which is Noriega's podcast. Rapper Noriega from Component Noriega a long time ago. Uh, he just went on Nor- Nori's podcast and I think he, yeah, he mentioned Jews again and he started talking about George Floyd and the fentanyl killing him and them not being on his neck. You know, this is all this stuff that's just like easily disproven and then also the Jews thing. Okay, here's the deal with the Jews thing. I don't I don't know how to put this. Perhaps you know this might I I have some Jewish heritage. Some direct immediate Jewish heritage. And I also listen to rap. And like Jean-Luc Godard movies, etc., etc. Why I pointed out the rap thing? Because in the late '80s and the early and the 1990s, the amount of throwaway lines about Jewish people were—they uh, were there in hip hop. And of course, when representatives, huge voices in a culture, say something, then that filters down or the opposite it has filtered up from the culture itself who knows what do i look like a genius never no one can look like a genius genius is in the brain not the face they say never hit a guy with glasses i say hit him (laughs) he might not be a nerd so you can hit him. He might be a jock. You can hit a jock. They want to fight. So anyway. I would put up with... I mean, the, one of the most famously anti-Semitic lines that was so anti-Semitic that it got um, taken, like like bleeped on the album, is on Tupac's album, All Eyes on Me. All Eyes on Me. Song... Amazing song called Got My Mind Made Up with like all East Coast MCs. Not all. It's like, it's got some Wu-Tang members on it. So it's like a really cool, it's it's like a New York sounding beat. It's like, it's a hot jam. But Method Man is on the song. And at one point he says the line, Like Hitler, I'm sticking up Jews with German Lugers. So he's saying he's robbing Jewish people. Okay. Not great. It's a metaphor. He's from New York. There's Jewish people working in the Diamond District. You can stick them up. You know, like, a lot of it is New York stuff. Really. When it comes down to anti-Semitism and hip-hop. And it's certainly not widespread, I wouldn't even say. You know, like you're not going to really hear anything anti-Semitic from like whatever, 
I mean, a million, you could name a million New York rappers and rappers in general. But the 5% Nation and Nation of Islam influence, if you, which is the um, Nation of Islam, you know, it's the black Muslims that Malcolm X was part of. And 5% Nation is, I guess, an offshoot. And that's where a lot of linguistics of 90s MCs from New York, probably from very specific areas of New York, if we're really getting into it. Um, but maybe not, because you hear it from Queens rappers, you also hear it from Brooklyn rappers, probably rappers from the Bronx as well. And everywhere, because like the, the group Brand Nubian was explicitly 5% Nation. And... Um, Homophobia was a big part of that. And obviously the Nation of Islam had Louis Farrakhan at one point called Jews like cockroaches. You know, so some of the stuff from that is present in hip hop. And I'm okay with that. I understand where it's coming from. I think it's most of the time not... I don't know how to explain it. It's not... Uh, it's not make or break. I start going into the anti-Semitic uh, because I don't think it's that dehumanizing. I'll put it that way. Now, when you kind of get into dehumanization, that's where you got the problem, I think. You got, um, for instance... Um, you know, Jews run everything or whatever. Banks. Okay, we're starting to get there. We're starting to... We're going down the rabbit hole. That's not good. And then the Jews are controlling the people who look like us. No. We've gone too far. Don't... You should never open this door. Now you're saying that the Jews are holding, are like puppet masters, which I can guarantee you they're not. We're not. We're just bouncing around, trying to live this crazy life. And also, there is no real, there are, everyone's very different. Just like black people. Everyone's different. Nothing's the same. People aren't all the same. Even if they, you know, share the same religion or skin color. Come on now. Didn't we get past this? How have we gone backwards? So, yes. Kanye now straight up saying Jews are, you know, telling Puff Daddy to email him. And there's something else about that in the, about them not, you know, blocking him and, uh, and, and trying to probably try to kill him. That's, I think, where Kanye is going to go with this. And the worst part is when someone is sick like this and they're saying this stuff, there's a bunch of people who don't have the same personality disorders, issues. It's just that hatred has infested them. They will be empowered and... This message and beliefs, this beliefs will spread. So, 
Kanye, you done. But also, the Pete Davidson killing video, that was the end of it for me and Sarah, for Sarah and I. We were just like, we see, we're watching this video, we're just like, this is the most insane, horrible thing to do. And I've seen some crazy videos. I saw the Jeremy video by Pearl Jam. I was fine with that. I saw the Kids in the Hall music video where a flower ejaculates. I thought it was cool. But there was something about a video that a guy paid for where his ex-wife's boyfriend, he's murdering that person. It just didn't sit right with me. So that was me doing some con content, Kanye tent. And I'm sorry if you're over the Kanye thing. I know that he shouldn't have a platform and well i know that he shouldn't have a platform i think he should go on the jerry springer show if that were still around he could go on that but i i don't think he should be taken seriously at all at this point um that being said i just wanted to use <laughs> his situation as an example of what level of anti-semitism I will tolerate <laughs> and he has surpassed it maybe if both my parents were Jewish I would have a lower tolerance for you know anti-semitism but anti-semitism let's have some pro-semitism one of these days And don't write me about the issue in the Middle East. I like to think... I don't sometimes voice all of my views. And this is because I think in my circles there is a default view. And often I don't step away from that default view. So you can ask me what I think. I ain't going to tell you. But let's just say, yeah, not a fan of all the stuff going on over there. Hmm. Folks, I gotta go. I gotta get out of this cat, this dog sit pretty soon. Gotta drive with my mom. Looks like it's raining outside. None of this is good. But I really hope you're well. I feel okay. I haven't journaled today, but I've done a to-do list. I've properly... There's a dog I'm taking care of who needs like 95 things per day to help him out. And I did those so far. Took some naps. Put Charlie on my lap. Kissed his head. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm eating. And I hope you are too. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. Feel free to contribute bucks. Just for me to keep the podcast going. I don't... I want to give perks. I want to give you so much. I want to be on a schedule. But I'm on the skin of my teeth here. Just trying to put it out. And if you want to help out, that's... You're more than welcome to. KO-FI.com slash Nick Flanagan. 
is where you can do sort of like uh, one-off donations. Or you can subscribe on Patreon, whichever you'd prefer. And if, if, if you can't do none of that, subscribe, like, five-star review, write a review. Oh, that would be very nice as I continue to do the podcast. Into 2023, thank you for listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly